Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Our God is a God of choice, meaning this. God gives to every man truth in order that they make a right decision. And what is that right decision? Submitting to the truth. Now, many people will say, what if someone doesn't know the truth? Well, we're going to see in tonight's study that God reveals himself that he is the one true living God and people, they are without excuse if they do not submit to him. Take out your Bibles and look with me to the book of Romans and chapter one. The book of Romans and chapter one. Now I mentioned choice because as we concluded last week, we saw the emphasis was in God's power. And I'm speaking about that wonderful message of the gospel. The gospel, when we receive it, we also receive the power of God through the Holy Spirit. And that power and his truth brings about a wonderful change in our life, a change of righteousness, one that comes about because of faith. And faith is believing the revelation of God. So when we do this, we see that we will be living, behaving, doing those things which will bring God honor and glory and we will be pleasing to him. He'll see us as his faithful servants. But what happens to those who choose unwisely? Well, this is what we're gonna focus in on in today's text. So look with me to our first verse, verse 18. The book of Romans, chapter 1, and verse 18. It says here, For the wrath of God. Now, many people want to stay away from anything having to do with the wrath of God, the judgment of God. But if we are a teacher of God's word, we can't do that. We have to share what is contained in God's revelation, in the scriptures, in the Holy Bible. And it is so unfortunate today that there are many people who stand where I stand and they speak to a group of people, but they only want to focus on those things that cause people to feel good about themselves. We need to understand that it's only when we put into practice the entire counsel of God, then and only then are we going to have that testimony that's pleasing to God. So ask yourself that question. Do you want to be pleasing to God? Do you want to obey the good message that he has for us? That we walk in fellowship with him. God is a God of goodness, but when we reject his truth, what can one expect? Well, look again at our text, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven 
upon all, and I would emphasize that word all, without exception. Don't think that, that someone's going to be excluded because of some reason. If they fail to receive the gospel, if there's not evidence of faith in their life, then those individuals are going to experience just what Paul says, and that is the wrath of God being revealed from heaven upon all, and notice this, upon all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So the gospel produces righteousness, godliness within us. The rejection of that gospel produces just the opposite. So ask yourself, what is it that you want to produce in your life? Do you want unrighteousness, ungodliness, or do you want a behavior that is in accordance with the purposes of God, the will of God, the character of God being revealed in you and through you by righteous deeds? This is the choice. It's not hard to understand. It's simply a matter of making a decision. And it's very clear here. The wrong decision will bring upon you the wrath of God. And he goes on to say in this passage of scripture what the problem is. It's not that they're unknowledgeable. No, it says here, the truth by unrighteousness they suppress. Now, pay attention to this word for suppressing. And this is a word for restraining. Let me give you a place where this same word appears. Because this is a word that is frequently misunderstood by, by individuals. Now, we know that there is an unrighteous one, a man of lawlessness. And of course, I'm speaking about the Antichrist. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 6, it says something. It says, what is restraining, you know. Now, when it says, you know, if you look closely at that verse, it's not who is restraining. The scripture doesn't tell us. So many people want to answer who it is that's restraining. We don't know. The word of God does not tell us. It is a change in order of that text when it says, you know who is restraining. Literally, in that verse, it speaks about what? It's in the neuter later on. That same verb for restraining is in the masculine. Great significance in that change of, of gender from neuter to masculine. Why both? In this passage, it says literally, and, and what is restraining, you know, and the knowing is for what purpose? And that is that the man of lawlessness might be revealed in the right time. So we know why he's being restrained, but who's doing the restraining? Although many people, they want to try to answer that question, the scripture does not reveal to us. And it's very dangerous. It leads to falsehood when we answer a question that the Bible does not provide that answer to. It's speculation. It comes from an individual, a group that wants to support a, a belief they have, and they are twisting the scriptures in order to do that. So what it says here, 
is that they are suppressing the truth. It doesn't mean that, that something is taken out of the way, removed from this world. It simply means it's being restrained. It's being suppressed. And that's what individuals do. Look again at our texts. The truth, by unrighteousness, they are suppressing. Verse 19. Now, verse 19 has some very significant implications theologically. Notice what it says. Because the knowledge of God, knowing that God is, that God exists, because the knowledge of God is manifested in them. Now, we're talking about those who are ultimately, according to this text, going to receive the wrath of God that comes out of heaven in order to bring about God's eternal condemnation. And it says here concerning those individuals, pay very close attention, because the knowledge of God is manifested in them. How, how did that knowledge of God get there? Well, just keep reading the end of verse, verse 19. For God to them manifested, meaning this. God has put into every human being, every human being, the knowledge that God is, that God exists. Now, it's interesting, many years ago, there was a study done by a university on the West Coast. I'm speaking about California. And they took a large group of people who proclaimed to be atheists, did not believe in God. And they, they simply asked them a few questions. They asked them and they hooked them up to a polygraph machine to see if they were speaking truth. And what happened? They asked a question, are you an atheist? And they all answered, yes, we are. And that means, do you understand that an atheist means someone who does not believe in God, does not acknowledge God? Yes. And then here's the interesting thing. They asked them the final question. Do you believe in God? And what do you think they all answered? Well, they all professed to be atheists. So all of them answered, no, I do not believe that there's a God. And you know what that polygraph revealed? that the, the vast majority, nearly 99%, were lying. Meaning, although they said, yes, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, inwardly, that wasn't true. They failed that polygraph because inwardly, they knew that there was a God. And why did they know that? Well, the scripture tells us, for God, and it's emphatic, to them, he manifested this this knowledge that God exists, verse, verse 20. Now we're going to see how God did just that, how he manifested himself to them. It says, for the invisible. Now, this is his invisible qualities, his invisible attributes. God, we don't see with our eyes, but we can understand his character, his quality, his attributes. So once again, verse 20, for his invisible qualities from the creation of the world by what is created is understood and clearly seen. So because we look at creation, 
Therefore, because creation exists, we see that there must be a creator. And creation is, is by order. We see that this world, ourselves, the Bible says that man, the human body, is wonderfully made. And we see that things do not happen by chance. One of the things that the evolutionists teach is everything by chance. And what's their savior? Time. They get people to try to, to believe a lie. What's that lie? If you give something enough time, anything can happen. That's not true. It's simply not true. For example, you could take all the letters and all the words that there are, and you could throw them up and have them come down. They will never come down in the order of a dictionary, alphabetically, everything perfectly. It will not happen. It's an impossibility. And whether you throw the words up for a million years, a billion years, a trillion years, doesn't make any difference. It will not happen. See, they want you to believe that God's creation is simply a random act of of nothingness that came into being how well they don't tell you but we know when we look at creation there is nothing random about it there's order we see and pay very close attention to this we see the order of god in his creation so not chance not a randomness not simply a happening but we see order we see a mind we see things put into a specific condition for a specific reason. And that's why, look again at verse 20. For his invisible, and the implication is qualities or attributes, from the creation of the world, by the things made, it's understood and clearly seen. What is understood and clearly seen? It says both his eternal power and his divinity that that god is not a creation that god is not one of us that he is superior that he is greater that he is unique the one true living god and saying that in no way lessens one's belief in the trinity god in three persons god the father son and holy spirit so we believe in that three persons of the Trinity, but there's still one God. Is that a conflict? Three equaling one and one equaling three? It is not. This is what the scripture reveals. So it's clearly seen, it's understood, both his eternal power and divinity. Why? Well, it says here, because of this, look at the end of, of verse 20, for they are without excuse. So anyone who receives God's wrath coming out of heaven upon them for that eternal condemnation, the scripture says they're without excuse. Why? They knew that there was a God, but they did not respond properly. They knew why and where is that knowledge? Well, most theologians, most biblical scholars believe here Although the word doesn't appear in this verse, it appears elsewhere in the scripture. I'm talking about the word conscience. God's given to every human being a conscience. And within that conscience, everyone knows 
God is. God exists. And we can also derive certain things about God from what he has put in us, in every human being. Now look at verse 21. Because knowing God, and it's very interesting, it says knowing literally the God. Why is that important? There's one, specific. In contrast to what some call as God, we're speaking something very different because knowing God and the implication is that one true God, they did not glorify or they were not thankful. Now, that's what one should do. I have life, a physical life, and that alone should cause me to be thankful. That alone should cause me to give glory to God. But it says here, Although knowing God, this one God, this specific one, the God of Scripture, because knowing God, they did not, as God, glorify or were thankful. But, and notice this next word, it's a word for futility. When one denies God, does not respond properly to the fact that God is, there is God because of that what happens well it says here that that they became futile and this word for becoming futile or or of of vanity of no no significance it says this came about it's in the passive and now we know why because of their reasoning now they became futile in their reasoning why well, it says also they became dark because of, and it says here, what became dark? Because of the foolishness of their hearts. Now, hearts in the Bible refers to thoughts. What does the scripture say? As a man thinketh in his heart. So this is what the scripture is saying. When one, he knows God exists. He knows that God is overall the creator superior but when one rejects that and says i'm going to be defiant against that when that happens a process begins and their reasoning becomes futile that means it produces nothing of 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 goodness of substance nothing that god takes pleasure in and their their thoughts of their heart that means their mind becomes darkened they don't have any illumination they're not not seeing god's revelation they're rejecting it why there's a principle and the principle is this when i reject truth it changes my heart i want you to hear that and understand that we see that for example in the life of pharaoh when one is convicted of what's true a biblical truth a scriptural reality they know that inwardly but they choose and remember we have free will when they choose to reject that that has an adverse effect what does it do it darkens their hearts meaning they don't see things clearly anymore and what's the outcome of that they are easily deceived verse 22 now, even though they're deceived, 
they're not behaving properly, what did they do? It says, professing to be wise, but they became foolish. And literally, we could understand that, is that they became foolish. What happens? Once again, that spiritual law. When God reveals something to you, your inner man, even in an unregenerated state, God is able to communicate. Yes, we are dead in our trespasses and sin, meaning we don't have a covenantal relationship with God. But, but don't believe the falsehood that because someone is not yet saved, they can't understand anything in regard to the Bible. We just don't see this being the case. Someone who's a non-believer, a rejecter of the gospel, they can know that thou shall not steal, that it's not good to lie. Many things people can know in their unregenerated state. Why? God's giving them a conscience, and that conscience is powerful. But when we reject his truth, reject his word, when God convicts us of something and we say, I'm not going to respond to that, I'm not going to obey that, it has an adverse effect upon us. And we begin to see things incorrectly, and therefore we're easily manipulated and, and, and positioned by the enemy according to his deceit for destruction, for his adversity. So it says here, they were professing to be wise, but, but literally, they were made foolish. Verse 23. And exchanging or changing, however you want to translate this, and they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God into the likeness of, of corruptible images of men, of birds, of four-legged creatures and things that, that creep. And this word for things that creep is seen in the book of Genesis, those things that, that crawl upon the earth. So instead of worshiping God, what happens? They begin to worship men. They begin to worship that which is created, birds and animals and things that creep. How foolish. How can one do that? Well, it's a process. They do not want to follow God. Remember in the book of Psalms, we learn a very important principle, and it's this. The fool has said, there is no God. Why? Why does one lie to himself and say, I'm not believing God. God put it within them that he exists. Because they don't want to serve him. They don't want to worship him. They don't want to obey him. They want to do what they want to do. And therefore, we see the outcome of that. They begin to exchange the glory of God who is immortal, who is incorruptible. And they begin to worship those things that are corruptible, that are mortal. Speaking of men and likenesses and images of, of birds and creatures and things that creep. And because of that, what happens? Look now to verse 24. It says, therefore also, it gets worse. Therefore also God, and once again, it's the God, the one true God, the only God. Therefore God delivered them over unto, it says here, God delivered them unto, uh, it says, 
God delivered them over to desires of their hearts for that which is unclean. So God does something. When you reject him, there's a consequence. And God will, look again at verse 24, God delivered them unto desires of their hearts for what? For that which is unclean. And it says, that which is dishonorable of their bodies among themselves. So they began to behave in a way that dishonored their bodies. Now, what is it speaking about here? Very simply. The Bible says we were created in the image of God. What does that mean? We are called to image is from the verb, which means to reflect. We were supposed to reflect the character of God, to behave like he would behave if he came like a man. That's what it's called about being like Messiah, being his follower, his disciple, imitating him, doing what he would do. So this is what it speaks about being created in the likeness of God. But instead of that, what happens? Well, they begin to behave differently. And therefore, instead of behaving and using their bodies for honor, it says here that, that God delivers them over to their own desires of their heart for that which is unclean and dishonoring their bodies among themselves. Verse 25, our last verse. These exchanging, and here we see something very important. These exchange, what? The truth. These having exchanged the truth of God, for what? Well, they had the truth. God put it within them. And they exchanged it for falsehood. And what's the outcome of that? It says here that they had reverence. Now, this is a word of, of worship. It's a word of, of giving priority to something, someone. And when they rejected the truth, it says here, because they rejected the truth, exchanged it for falsehood. And what happened? They worshiped, they feared, they gave reverence, and they served creation instead of the one who created. So they put their emphasis upon that which is created rather than the one who creates. And it goes worse than this because all of that, remember, where we began. It's not just that they're doing that which is wrong. They are going to be recipients of what? Where did we begin? Verse 18, which says, For the wrath of God is revealed upon heaven for all, all the people that we described here. What we need to remember is, it's not the creation that we, we worship, but rather the one who created it. And notice how this scripture concludes. This creator God, who is blessed forever and ever. Amen. We need to recognize that one blessed God who gave his only begotten son, sent into this world to make redemption for us, to pay the price in fullness of all of our sins. So if you haven't invited him into your life, acknowledging his death, burial, and resurrection, you need to do that, that you might have eternal hope and a place in the kingdom of God. 
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.